Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club. And they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Celebrating in the streets in Lubbock. Wow. Because Texas Tech Monday night will be playing for the national championship. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Tags podcast powered by Guns Up Nation. You are on once again with your boy, I'll be sure. And it's basketball season, baby. Football has thrown us for a loop this whole fall. And I know every all of Texas Tech Nation is ready just as much as I am to really move on. Move on to the sport that we've become much better at, and that is basketball. So we are doing our Big 12 basketball preview. And of course, when we're talking Big 12 sports, I got to bring on my guy, Jeremy Gillen. What's up, Jeremy? Alpi, it is time amidst the chaos to settle down and to talk about what we've all been waiting for since we launched this thing back in April, and that is Big 12 basketball. That's right. That's right. Um, at that time, we had a different head basketball coach, and um, <laughs> we also have a different head football coach. Now, we brought this guest on to talk basketball, to talk Big 12 basketball. Um, and then we had a new football coach and guess what? His specialty kind of is football. So, uh, from CBS sports, Shahan Jaraja back on the podcast, uh, to talk basketball, but Shahan, we can't have you on here and not talk about the chaos that is Texas Tech football with Matt Wells being fired. So first off, how's it going, Shahan? Yeah, I feel bad. I, I feel like before the season, I was pumping all this optimism. And, you know, I, I feel like we almost saw it, right? I feel like it almost happened. It just, you know, went very Texas Techy and uh, it didn't, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, see, Shahan, you know. Like, it's, the thing about it is, is that, like, but we, I still don't think what we had said on the pod in the preview, what you had said beforehand is wrong, right? Tech is still a very talented right. team. Even with all the injuries, we're still – we saw it in the West Virginia game. Like, it's still a very talented team. But at the end of the day, what, what we had talked about in our emergency podcast earlier this week is Matt, he just couldn't coach. At the root of it all, at the root, like Cliff Kingsbury had a lot of problems, external problems, but we knew when it comes to offensive play calling, Matt can coach. Matt Wells, the root of it, offensively, defensively, didn't matter. He just can't coach. And so, I mean, what, what's your, what's your uh, thought on Matt Wells being fired? 
Yeah, it was definitely interesting because it was in so many ways. And, and you hear this a lot with coaches after, and I'm talking about when Cliff was fired. I, I think that you often hear this kind of, that guys want to almost go in a completely opposite direction. That's something that you hear a lot. Sometimes if you hired a young upcoming sort of guy, you hire like an old experienced guy, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think that they went from, like you mentioned, a coach who's a great on-field coach, proving it in the NFL too right now. Right. Uh, and you go from a guy who's a great on-field coach who has no interest in doing anything off the field to a guy who was very focused off the field. And like you mentioned, who had unfortunately throughout his tenure, a lot of on-field issues. And, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable, obviously, you know, the way that Kansas State game happened. And it wasn't the first time, right? It was, it was all these weird game management situations. It was, uh, you know, struggling to kind of find a cohesive way that you wanted to play offense. I mean, it was just all the, the big things, really, that, that kind of kept uh, coming up over and over again, right? Like, and don't get me wrong. At the same time, I think that for me, I'm still sitting here like, man, I can't believe that tech fired a head coach after two and a half years. You know I mean? I think that that's, that's always kind of a weird deal, but I also, I, I mean, I would say if there wasn't a couple of really good directions that they could go, that I'd probably be a little more against it. I mean, I, I don't love a coach being fired in two and a half years, regardless. I, I mean, I, I just think that, uh, you know, at most programs, it's not going to go well, but you know, I think that where we're at right now, there's, two especially really obvious places to go and guys who should be gettable. So at least if you feel like you have a guy out there, I, I think that I feel a little bit better about that. That's funny. You said, I, we didn't bring this up in the, in the emergency pod, but um, you're right. I would have never guessed tech would ever fire coach for three years. Nevertheless, less than three years. Right. So the fact that kind of tells you the direction or Jerry, what were you going to say? No, I was, just, I was agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. Like that just kind of tells you, one, I will say this. We, Kirby Hoka talks a lot about uniting the fan base and whether the fan base, especially with the Tupperville situation, fan base was so divided. Um, you know, one way that – Matt Wells has united the fan base. Fan base is very <laughs> united in all of us. Wanting to, some of his staunchest supporters I've seen after the Kansas State game gave up. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely gave up. So he united the fan base. But um, you did bring up – the two obvious choices. And I think we, we know the way route you're going. So obviously people can't see what Shahan is wearing right now, but he is wearing an SMU triple D uh, uh, Dallas hoodie. And so (laughs) I'm assuming that the head coach of that university is one of the guys that you are uh, talking about when it comes to the obvious choices. Yeah, I, I will say it is a coincidence. My sister actually goes to SMU, so like she gave this to me. So I just tossed on a hoodie. I didn't realize the implications of it. Uh, until Shahan I got on J. Raja, huge <laughs> SMU fan. You heard it here first. Uh. No, I mean, I, I think that the two obvious choices, and I'm not breaking any news here. I think that the two obvious choices are Jeff Trailer at UTSA and Sonny Dykes at Tech, at SMU, rather. And I think that I think that both of them have... <laughs> <laughs> don't no 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 uh, i only, yeah. I only <laughs> breaking news from sean and roger just so i, think, that, I uh, think the thing i like about both of these guys right because i i want to say like i do like a lot of the ways that matt wells went about his business like i i do think that he tried to do things the right way um but i think that the two advantages that these two guys have is that both of them have been around the state of texas forever 
right? I mean, Sonny Dykes, obviously the son of Spike Dykes. He's been around the state forever. Even when he left the state to go to Cal, right? It didn't really go super well. Um, he, he's somebody who's texting through and through. And Jeff Trailer's even more texting than Sonny Dykes. Uh, obviously, a former Texas high school football coach, won three state championships at Gilmer High School, uh, was really, I, I mean, a pretty surprising hire at UTSA. I mean, I, I was uh, covering UTSA at that time uh, for Dave Campbell's, of course, and I that was not the guy that I expected. I thought that if they were going to go that kind of direction, they might have gone with Joey McGuire at Baylor, right? Because that was that was kind of the hotter name at the time among former high school coaches, uh, you know, because because Jeff Trailer was on that terrible Arkansas staff that completely tanked, you know, with Chad Morris there, right? But he has been incredible. I, I mean, I do think that there's something to be said for having been a head coach before, even if it wasn't at the co- collegiate level. Um, and I think that he also was just, I, I think he, you hear this a lot, um, you know, but I, I think he did legitimately come in with no ego and kind of was just like, all right, how are we going to do this thing? Basically, you know, I, I don't think that there was much hierarchy and stuff. And so in, in the last two years at UTSA, he's led them to their two best seasons in program history. Now it's a young history, but it's still, you know, very impressive what he's done there to turn it around so quickly. And something that you hear a lot about uh, trailer is that, Oh, he's going to be a great recruiter. Well, I mean, like that's not why they were good in 2020. They didn't recruit new players to come in in 2020. He's also a good football coach. Uh, And, and, you know, just to touch on Dykes for just one more second. I mean, you know, what he's done at SMU, same sort of deal, the best three-year run since the 1980s, the first 10-win season since 1983. I mean, it, the, basically every single stat that you say about Sonny Dykes is best since 1983 before the death penalty. <laughs> you just kind of have to keep repeating that. So he's somebody who's done a great job, obviously great ties to Lubbock, great ties to West Texas. Um, you know, I, I would say that for me, I'm a little, I, I feel like because of Texas Tech, and especially because of the Tuberville thing, Texas Tech people are oftentimes very uh, kind of focused on, we need somebody who like knows Texas Tech and somebody who's air raid and somebody who's obsessed with Lubbock. And like, I don't, I don't want to fall into that trap. Right. Cause I think that if you're a good coach, you can be successful there. Um, you know, I, I don't want to just, Oh, who was on the cliff tree? Who was on the leech tree? Right. Cause I think that sometimes people get lazy with that almost, but, uh, but I do think that the fact that Tony Dykes does know Lubbock, does know West Texas, uh, you know, I do think that that is an advantage for him and it's something that, you know, maybe a draw for him. I, I think with Dykes and from everything that I've heard, he absolutely loves Dallas. Loves it. Loves it. Loves um, it. I do think tech is one of the few schools that could pry him from SMU because, because he's, I mean, he grew up in West Texas, went to school at tech, coached at tech, Obviously, we already know the connection with Spike Dykes. Um, and so, and, and I think that would, I mean, previously, he's kind of uh, um, uh, bullied for the job in past years, didn't necessarily get it, of course. But I do think that we're one of the schools. I'm not saying he would, I do think there's a good chance he might turn it down because from everything I've heard, he loves it, loves it in Dallas. Um, but I do think we're one of the few, few schools that could do it. Uh, the thing about Sonny Dykes is he's won almost everywhere he's been. I mean, the only time that he's really lost, I guess, and had a bad time was at Cal. And some of the, a lot of that was extenuating circumstances. But Louisiana Tech was a winner. We've already talked about SMU, every, everything he's done at SMU. He has that long coaching history. And I don't really question whether or not he'd be successful. It's one of those things where he's been successful. Hell, even at Cal, he wasn't bad. He just wasn't, you know, wasn't necessarily good. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what. The, the reason that things didn't work at Cal were not because – Sonny Dykes wasn't a good coach, right? Exactly. I mean, this is a program that does not care about funding the athletic department, does not care about investing in the program. Obviously, you've taken him out of Texas where he's been most successful and taken him all the way out to California. And so, I mean, you really, 
would be hard pressed outside of like those couple of years under Jeff Tedford to find any period where Cal's had success. So I understand people who do hold that against him because they kind of look at it and they're like, that's his power five experience. And it kind of sucked, which it did. I mean, I, I don't want to say that it didn't suck, but, uh, but I wouldn't overreact to that because I think that there are a lot of things about that job where you're just like, who boy, I, I might've made a mistake coming here. Yeah. Now to talk a little bit on Robert trailer, he, and I know tech Jeff fans Trent. are going to, or sorry, I said Jeff, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Trailer. Jeff. Not, 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 big, not big tractor. Uh, Jeff Trailer. <laughs> um, but uh, he, I know tech fans aren't going to like this because right now we hate him. And we all hate him, not going to get me wrong. But Jeff Trailer reminds me a lot of Chris Beard, football edition. Right? Like at UTSA, I was, shout out to Philip Slavin from the 1012 podcast, but he kind of, he, he sent me an article today and I read it and uh, kind of talking about, and I actually heard the story already about him handing out Whataburger to everybody on campus. And his his whole like you got to stop eating that cheese thing and having those those comments that being that kind of energy guy reminded me so much of Beard when he first got to Tech so much of it and if if we end up having if hell if Jeff Trailer comes here we go to a national championship game because of how good he is and leaves you know what hey it is what it is right all right we've already been stung <laughs> once all right now now I'm dead inside so I don't care if another coach says that to me it's okay <laughs> but um. Uh, but that Jeff Trailer just reminded me so much of Chris Beard. So I, I do think both Jeff Trailer, both Sonny Dykes, though Jeff Trailer has that short coaching history and that does worry me, um, he does kind of come off, has a lot of the same characteristics of very successful head coaches, really across all sports. And so I'm excited for one of the two. Is there anybody yeah. else that you're hearing about that you either think is a good idea or you're kind of hearing in the in the atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, and, and one last thing that I'll add on to Trailer is I do think that adding somebody at Texas Tech, I, I do feel like having somebody who can re recruit in a unique way is going to be huge, right? Because in a lot of ways, one thing that, that I think kind of gets lost in all of this is that at Texas Tech, I mean, a big thing that happened, obviously, at the end of the, the Leach era was also TCU coming into the Big 12 and really putting a dent in that DFW market, right? And now the city of Houston's been a a much bigger pipeline in some ways than DFW. And now the University of Houston's coming in. And so you're going to be fighting both of those forces, along with obviously kind of Baylor in the middle. Texas is always going to be a factor. Texas A&M always going to be a factor. And the thing that I like about Jeff Trailer and what he's done is that I think that he's done a great job of identifying talent early, which is something that I think Texas Tech staffs have done a good job of doing. But, uh, you know, just leveraging those relationships, finding those kids. I, I mean, I do think that one thing that Wells kind of said is that we have to find these kids in some ways. And and I think that Jeff Trailer might be, you know, one of the one of the best guys at finding guys i guess you could say that there is uh in terms of other candidates i mean that's that's a good question i i did put a list together the other day i mean for me i don't you know i i know that the name that some of the guys related to that baylor tree are going to be thrown around i don't think it would be a great idea uh, for a number of reasons yeah i i mean i just i i just think also more than anything else not more but as much as anything else I think there's a huge assumption that those guys would win there. I mean, football's changed a lot since since obviously those early now, 2010s. Now, do you continue? Do you uh, uh, include Jeff Lebby on, in that group? Because I I, 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 we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast with Jeff Lebby in that though he is he's a lot like George Springer for the Astros, right? The Astros, everybody hates the Astros, the cheating Astros, uh, but George Springer is not in Houston anymore, so oh, he's fine. He's okay, right? And so <laughs> Jeff Levy doesn't have the name. And so people forget. Hell, I was on the podcast and I forgot that Jeff yeah. Levy was a Baylor assistant coach, right? So because he doesn't have yeah. 
though he's even the related name. to the coach, he, did not the name. he doesn't have right. the name. And no. so, and, and uh, so, I think I think that if they want to have that conversation, they can have that conversation. But you know, for me, I would stay away from it. Also, because I just don't think that any of them are guaranteed winners by any means either. Uh, you know, obviously, I think that somebody to consider. And this is a bad time for him to be considered for this. Graham Harrell, right? Graham Harrell has been kind of seen as an up and comer. I, I don't think that we're in any rush to to give him a head coaching job in the Power Five at this point. Uh, you know, if they wanted to go very air raidy, I, I mean, I don't know what exactly sort of people want in the building. Jay Norvell over at Nevada, he's actually done a really good job building up the program. His offensive coordinator over there is actually Matt Mummy, son of Hal Mummy, who created the air raid. So, like, if you want an air raid, that's an error, right? So what Jay Norvell does. Um, You know, if you want to kind of get in on the next Jeff trailer in some ways, Joey McGuire at Baylor is maybe that guy. He obviously has been a critical part of rebuilding Baylor two separate times under Matt Rule and now under Dave Aranda. Um, You know, I I think that those would be some of the names. Billy Napier is one that maybe you reach out to. I don't know if he's going to have interest in this job, to be quite honest, the head coach at Louisiana, but uh, but he's somebody worth reaching out to. I got a guy for you, Shahan. So I'm like, listen, I'm the only one bringing this get this name up. All okay, right? Nobody okay. else is bringing him up. Prepare. But I'm all on the train. I give you a guy who is, was a high school football coach in Texas, is a okay. D1 football coach now, has NFL experience, recruiting experience, all that. Deion Sanders. Deion the Tech, baby. Primetime University. All right. I'm I'm fully on board. I was I was joking at first. I've spent two days thinking about it, and I'm on it. I'm on the train. I'm I'm leading it. Okay, it's coming. It's happening. Dylan actually posted a Photoshop of Dion with a double T on there right now. Put it on Twitter. We're 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 right, we're a f- uh, full train ahead. Jeremy, I'll hop on. Right, I'll be falling right into this. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to stay in the era of reason. Albie just fell face for because it was a joke. It was a joke, and I remember when Albie was joking, and he keeps bringing it up, and I'm like, I don't know if he's joking anymore. And then Dylan hey, made man. the Photoshop, and I thought, oh, shit, it's over. <laughs> Hey, hey man, hey man. Uh, I cannot wait for Texas Tech and Lubbock Tech to be the next great HBCU. It's going to be fantastic. Hey, they're they're, right they're going to bring out the bands and, and all the seventy-something-year-olds in the crowd are going to go crazy. It's, you know, it's going to be fantastic. Well, hell, we had Coolio out from before one of our games, and all these nineteen-year-olds didn't know who the hell he was. So there's <laughs> we have a juxtaposition well, of the two. Nineteen-year-olds don't know who he is. The people in the stands don't want to know who he is. You know, it's just a, it's a, it would be a, it would be a great time. It's all things. So. Uh, so, Shahan, let's get to start talking about what we actually brought you on the podcast for, uh, which is Big 12 basketball. All right? So that's enough football for us. Big 12 basketball. Um, and with everything changing in the Big 12, I'm going to up. And it's kind of wild that we have you on the podcast. We really don't have the time to even talk about that in itself. But um, Big 12 has really solidified itself as a basketball conference. I, I Going forward, you, you get rid of Oklahoma, who's kind of an average – basketball program uh texas has been an average basketball program it looks like it's kind of treading in the right direction but we'll see how with their new head coach he who should now be named um does but you're bringing houston who just went to the final four you bring in a a really strong byu program you bring in a cincinnati program and ucf you know they they do okay or they've been to a tournament a couple times here recently right like what do you think about not just the big 12 this upcoming season but the big 12 basketball going forward yeah, well, one thing that I think that's important to note is that, you know, when people did the numbers and, uh, you know, well, I can't remember which coach mentioned this, but regardless of whether Texas and Oklahoma had been in the league, like the Big 12 would have still been the top basketball conference with those four teams instead of 
the other two teams. Like mm-hmm. this is a conference that has been defined by not Texas, obviously for a very long time has not been defined by Oklahoma for a very long time. Uh, it's been Kansas. It's been Baylor. It's been Texas tech. It's going to be Houston. Now. I mean, Houston's been doing this in a conference that really doesn't prioritize basketball. Now you're going to a conference where you're going to prioritize basketball. You mentioned BYU. That's, that's one of the better, uh, you know, better teams out West. They're really the competition every single year for Gonzaga, right? Like it's them two at the top and they're oftentimes a tournament team. UCF, like you mentioned, is a, is a team that probably will need to up their basketball a little bit, but they haven't been horrible by any means i mean heading into this year they're number 61 in kent bomb right like that's perfectly fine that's more than take that and i actually argue cincinnati that i'll i'll mention just real quick cincinnati also a kind of historic basketball power too uh they've invested a lot in football right this second so they've kind of taken a step back in basketball there's no question that they're willing to kind of put back in when they get get a big 12 payout no, I was just I was just gonna say that I I question if UCF we start seeing a thing you know how in Texas especially in football everybody wants to go play in the SEC basketball becoming that power I do question if you start seeing a thing where some basketball players say you know what the Big Twelve is kind of tough I'd rather play there than a than an SEC that's not not as strong you do you start you started seeing that a little bit early in 2010s with Florida State Florida State was a recruiting started really recruiting a lot of the guys in the state because well if you go to Florida State you get to play Duke you get to play North Carolina etc. I wonder if we start seeing that. So I do think that UCF does have that advantage to move up. They're going to have the money to spend. UCF, they don't lack dollars. So they're going to have the money to spend. So I definitely uh, um, see them as a force going forward. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing is too, right? I think that people don't understand how much good basketball talent comes out of Texas because of how much football talent comes out of Texas, right? I mean, yeah. even you look at a lot of those Kentucky teams in the early to mid 2010s, a lot of their best players are coming from the state of Texas, right? I mean, the Jones twins, uh, Julius Randall, like these are some really good players who are coming from the state of Texas. And the thing is, right, Kentucky's always going to be a draw. Duke, even though after Coach K is always going to be a draw, North Carolina, et cetera, et cetera, right? Those schools are always going to be there. But now you've got a team in Baylor, that's won a national title. You have a team in Texas Tech that went to a national title game. And so, you you know, and the other thing, too, is you bring in Houston now. So you're losing you're losing Texas, but you bring in this other great team in the state. I feel like it even increases the basketball profile specifically in the state. Yeah. Right. To where to where, OK, if you want to play great basketball and you're from the state of Texas, like you have to consider those schools that are in the Big 12, because Every you know, three out of the four Texas schools are not just good at basketball, but have been to final fours in the last couple of years. So I, I do think that that sort of thing is going to help. And I mean, obviously, football drives all this stuff, which to me, I mean, I'm a basketball person at heart. I, I grew up an NBA fan way before I was a college football guy. And like, you know, for me, it kind of sucks, right, that like football drives everything about realignment and all that sort of stuff. Right. But I think that that's going to be a fun thing for the the people who are left behind, I guess you could say, right, is that it's going to be one of the better basketball leagues, not just in the country. I mean, I think it's going to be the best basketball league in the country, but one of the better basketball leagues that we've seen in really a long time. Jeremy, what do you think going forward with the Big 12 coming forward? I think Shehan, well, first of all, hits every single point beautifully uh as always uh, jeremy's uh, no, such a suck up i tell true, you man he you need to give me a you don't even give me a chance <laughs> um <clears throat> no i mean the only thing that i would talk about uh is this like we we were excited when all when the expansion the first thing we were thinking about was basketball i think that in itself talked about the narrative of not necessarily where the Big 12 is headed, because I, I think that, you know, in years past, even people look at the Big 12 as like one of, if not the best 
basketball conference, uh, and it has certainly solidified itself in recent years, um, especially with Baylor's like emergence uh, out of seemingly, if you're not like in Big 12 networking, like has seemingly out of nowhere. Uh, And so seeing like this ability for a conference from top down being one of those like and and coaches talk about, you know, this gauntlet, you know, conference, Big 12 conference is just a whole nother beast. Like there's no off week, really. Uh, Anybody can get you any week. And so that's what makes that's what makes my favorite part about the year. Somebody was asking me the other week, um, you know, what I enjoy about podcasting and doing the sports media and stuff like it's really basketball season is like my the most enjoyable time of the year just because of all the chaos that goes on with it. And because we usually that Texas Tech fans get to enjoy that as well. Like it's not just I love football and we watch our team also uh, on Saturdays. Um, it's like, no, this is just a really fun thing that we all get to participate and be in. And truly, I think every fan base in the Big 12, it feels like this can be a year for them to finish in the top half. For like the top half, of the top half of the Big 12 is like those are all tournament teams, like for sure. Um, like these are all tournament teams that should go multiple, like multiple layers deep. And so that's like the excitement of the Big 12 expanding to teams like Cincinnati and Houston and UCF, you know, BYU even like. These are teams that help solidify just the depth of talent and coaching that there will be uh, just for years to go forward. So it's just super exciting, even with the loss of Texas, you know, whatever that means for basketball. But, for the, you know, the loss of OU, uh, too, it's just, uh, you know, it's really cool to get because everybody focuses on basketball or on football. And so it's a big loss there. But in like all the other sports, I think Big 12 is coming out ahead. And so that's really comforting. See, Jeremy has all this optimism because he wasn't at Tech during the Billy Gillespie days. <laughs> oh, that was the bottom of the barrel there, buddy. <laughs> Eight wins, baby. <laughs> uh, so I, I do want to – so let's let's start talking about the 2021-2022 season. And um, let's, let's, let's get into the team. So I have a unique way of how we're going to go about this. I'm going to kind of give you – we're going to preview the teams in the order that I kind of have it predicted to finish. And um, y'all agree with y'all can agree with me, disagree with me, but like, we can get into it. So the number one team that I have in the Big 12 is Kansas. And I think that it is wild. Anybody else picks anyone other than I think it's I think it's honestly a hot take picking anyone other than Kansas. I think they're so ridiculously good this year. I've been raving about Kansas since last season st- ended. They're just a beast of a team. Um, Okai Ogbaji. Uh, you got, you know, with McCormick in there, Bill, I mean, Bill Self has just really built this team up and as good as they were last year, they are just, they bringing back a good amount of their team from last year and adding pieces to it. Uh, Shahan, what do you think about Kansas? Yeah, I think that they're clearly the, the topic in the league right now. I mean, obviously adding a player like Remy Martin, who just went crazy at Arizona state and putting him in a situation where, you know, he's on a team now that really needed point guard help last year. That was really one of their biggest issues. Uh, and you know, I, I, which I will say, you know, just to take a step back, I do feel like naming a guy who hasn't played a game in the big 12 yet as preseason big 12 player of the year. I'm not in a rush to do that. I think that a guy should probably have ever played a big 12 game before I'm going to be in a rush to vote for him for that. But that's beside the point. I mean, this is a guy who obviously will be all big 12 first team. This is a guy who will compete for national player of the year. Um, and, and he kind of is in a lot of ways that final piece for them. And yeah, they're, they're just so deep. I, I think that Kansas after last year and being competitive, but not, you know, not really being able to compete near the very 
top. I, I think that they really wanted to solidify some of their spots. And the other thing too, that I'll say is like, after watching what Baylor did last year and, and look, a lot of the basketball talk this year is going to be in the context of what Baylor did last year. Right. Um, I, I think that they really wanted to double down on that guard position and get some more shooting, get some more ball handling. Cause I think that's what you need to do right now to, to win the big 12 and to go far in March. So they did everything that they were supposed to do. They have also the thing for me too, is that they have a lot more guys coming back than some of the other, mm-hmm. uh, the other top teams in the league. Cause, cause to me, there's three teams that I think could maybe four that could compete for the big 12 potentially, or, or maybe like seriously win the big 12 and they're sort of the one that really brings a lot back where some of these other teams are going to be breaking in some new guys. So Kansas to me has the combination of talent coming in and talent on the roster that they have to be the early pick. Yeah. I mean, funny enough, we're going to get to our, our predictions later, later on in the episode, you're talking about people picking Remy Martin to be the player of the year. I, I think if anything, I don't even know if he's the best player on this team. I kind of brought up Agbaji. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Agbaji and David McCormack, like they're, they're beasts in themselves. Yeah. You got Jalen Wilson, Christian Braun. I mean, this is, oh my goodness, this is a stacked yeah. team. Uh, Jeremy, what do you think about Kansas? I actually have my reservations about Kansas. Uh, no doubt that you can, no doubt you can look at Kansas. And first of all, I mean, Remy Martin's the one that stands out. The transfer from Arizona State, like I said, Shalon, two-time uh, uh, Pac-12 first team, um, two seasons, 19, averaging 19 points a game, like absolutely in a position to probably go to the draft, but decides to uh, take another year and go to Kansas because you know what? wants a championship. Um, but I don't know if you guys listen to, I'm sure – um, anybody out there listening to the Big 12 Media Days, Remy Martin was asked, you know, what, or excuse me, Bill Self was asked, you know, what is it about Kansas this year that basically it's hesitant, like what's giving him hesitancy? Um, and he's, you know, he's got to start off talking about Martin kind of transitioning, adjusting to life as a star with like, you know, he's the star at Arizona State, but then he comes to Kansas. And then, like you said, Albert, he's probably not like, the best guy on that team, although everybody's giving him the look, the look that he is, you know, sure. Speed is uncanny. Um, and they're changing the way they play, but I mean, he's still by self's word is hesitant to attack. And like, if he's hesitant to attack and it's early, you know, preseason, we haven't even played any non-conference games yet, but if he's going to, if there's going to be a hesitancy that like remains throughout the season, that's going to be an issue. Um, that will be resolved one way or another, whether it's like the scheme that they're doing or the way that they're playing the game. Um, Another concern that uh, that I had, and they were doing interviews with players, is that I wonder if like like Kansas is too nice with the ball, a la a la you know Texas Tech with Chris Beard, uh, David McCormick and Agbaji were talking about who the team is going to turn to when it faces adversity, and they kind of just said that it would be led by committee, and like for me, that's not a championship answer. Like that, like you and for Texas Tech fans, it's very, uh, very illustrated by, okay, Jarrett Culver in our tournament run. Like that's what made the difference as well as he played was as far as we went, more or less. Um, and so for a Kansas team stacked with studs, for them to go, uh, I don't really know, just, you know, who's really feeling it. Like this isn't just backyard ball. It's not like they're playing <laughs> nobodies, right? Again, yeah. if we're going to the Big 12 narrative anybody so you got to be locked in and so i am sure with the coach that bill self is this stuff will get figured out but for right now there's a lot of question marks that are kind of like sitting there for kansas that i'm just not confident with yet so do you i will say i I will say real quick i i do feel like 
I do feel like when you're a new guy on the team, you can't kind of step in and say, this is my team, right? Like, I feel like you have to earn that, right? And so yeah, absolutely. That, that's, kind of, that's kind of my deal with Remy Martin. I, I feel like it's going to be something where midway through the season, the answer is going to be different, right? Like, mm, where yeah. before the season, you know, you can't be like, hey, David McCormick, go sit, sit down, right? Like, <laughs> like you yeah, kind of yeah. got to... You got to defer, right? And so from, from my perspective, I definitely think that's a concern, uh, just trying to keep everybody happy, trying to manage everybody's minutes. I mean, it's going to be a completely different dynamic for the guys who were here, right? Like guys who, who handled the ball a lot to potentially not get to touch the ball quite as much. But I, I do think by the middle of the year, by the end of the year, I'm not super concerned about that. Yeah. So do you all agree with my assertion that Kansas is the best team in the Big 12? I think that they should be projected as the best team in the Big 12. That's a good way to put that. <laughs> okay. Well, so I was, that was my – for Shahan then, if not Kansas, who is the best team in the Big 12? <laughs> who, who is probably the best team? <laughs> <laughs> so, so like I mentioned, I mean, I, I've kind of a top four group that I kind of feel like is pretty close. So, I, I, I mean, Kansas would be my pick to win the Big 12 right now. I think that they're the favorite. I think that they clearly have the most pieces. Uh if you were going to ask me who's kind of a second right now, I'm very curious about what Texas is going to do, right? Like, I think that Texas, they add a lot of transfers. They it, Yes, and they're going to have, I mean, they have way more to figure out than I think any team in the Big 12. So the boomer bust potential of that team, I think, is tremendous, right? Like, very tremendous. Very high. <laughs> and, and so, you know, same sort of deal, right? Like, I feel like in this kind of situation, you have to go, this is who I project second not necessarily who I feel like is awesome about, but I, I do feel like the the thing with Texas, right, is like I think that they got guys who generally make sense together. Um, they do have some guys coming back, which I think is big for them, having somebody like Andrew Jones, having somebody like Courtney Ramey, who's been through the program. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do have my reservations. I wouldn't probably have them as a top five team in the country right now. But, uh, but I do think that there's a team that probably by the end of the year will be playing. So, so Shahan, I, I listen, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a hater. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get, I'm not saying they shouldn't be ranked. I'm not by any means. They're a good team. They're a really, really well put together team. I think top, I think even top 10 is ridiculous. To be honest, I think if they didn't have (laughs) Texas on their Jersey if they didn't have a guy that went to the national championship as their coach, nobody put them in the top 10. I don't even know if two people would put them in the top 15. I don't that what you've said is this team. I, I would root for Andrew Jones and everything. He's absolutely incredible stories an incredible player, incredible person. Fantastic. Like I, I, I do like me some Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey's killed us himself. But outside of that, you're putting together all these random pieces and expecting it to work. And any other Jersey with the except like we're talking about Big 12. If it didn't have Kansas or Texas slapped on the jersey, nobody would give it the respect that that, it, that they, so they've I, been given. I will say there's that, but there's also, I think, the unnamed coach who obviously has dealt with transfers before, and, and those transfers yeah. have played well on, on teams that obviously went very far. Now, at the same time, you know, it, there's no guarantee, right? Like, yeah. sometimes things just happen, and, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's representative. And the other thing, too, that I'll say about – this team versus that team that he had a lot of success with, obviously, is that there were a lot of guys who were there from before, right? Like Jerry yeah. Culver had been in the program before. They had a lot of guys who had been in the program, and it was kind of those last couple pieces that got added on, but they weren't necessarily the drivers. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean though that first that first group, especially the Keenan Evans group, and with all those guys, they set the tone. Gets forgotten, by the way. He is tremendous, tremendous player in the history yeah. of Texas Tech basketball. Yeah, I mean that, but that that whole group that they set the tone. The Tubby Smith guys set the tone. There's you do have Ramey and Jones and Febris still, um, but that's really three players out of everybody, and and that's. To, to set a tone that you don't really want to continue, right? You're, you're being brought in to completely change things. I just think it's the same thing I felt with Texas football in that it's a brand new head coach, brand new team, and very rarely does that work out successfully, especially not as a top five team. Um, I am not as sold on the Texas Longhorns as most people. Um, I I mean, as Tech fans, we, we also know a little bit more about Chris Beard and the fact that he doesn't have his defensive archetype with him anymore. Um, the fact that he is carrying his motion offense, which we've hated for the last three years, <laughs> to Texas. So, we, I mean, obviously we're hating. I ain't gonna lie to you. I mean, I'm, I'm hating a little bit, but I also... <laughs> no problem with it, man. Yeah, no problems at all. I'm hating with it a little bit. But at the same time, I just, I don't yet see it. Like, there, And there's also some of the transfers that came over that I also don't really believe in, right? Like a guy like, like Trey Mitchell, for example that we saw low on the transfer rankings, then he committed to Texas, and he oddly jumped up the transfer rankings. Um, right, A guy like Trey Mitchell was was kind of a guy that I didn't have high hopes on. I know a lot of the guys that we ended up committing to Tech, our Tech was looking at Trey Mitchell. We ended up getting other guys that, in my opinion, are better. And But those guys all of a sudden are, oh, after the fact, oh, well, Bryson Williams, you know, that's, he wasn't, he wasn't as good, actually. Trey Mitchell is who he really wanted. Stuff like that happens. And, and again, I know I'm hating. I'm okay with that. But I'm just, I just do I got no problem Texas. with this. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, what do you think? About Texas? Is that, we're going yeah, Texas, Texas number two Texas here? Yeah, Texas basketball, yep. You know, you look at it and you think, um, man, I mean, there's teams that have been stacked with transfers, but not like this, right? I mean, Texas has... I mean, Beard is like trying to come in. I'm trying to speak of this without, you know, I'm trying hate. to speak of it. You're trying to hate. <laughs> <laughs> You're not I'm trying to say, man, come on. I, I learned the rule. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know. I, I'm not afraid. Um, this is the this is the last Harry Potter movie. I'm going all in. Um, look, man, I, I the one thing that actually just keep, made me feel not as worried, and Albert kind of mentioned it, is the Big 12 Media Days. They were interviewing Texas player. I think they're interviewing. Marcus Carr, maybe I can't remember who it was. And there's, they were asking like the point guard question. He goes, actually, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, we actually all want to like give each other the best chance to shoot the ball. And it seems all like, Oh, heartwarming, generous. Like, that's so sweet. Like, Oh, they're going to get, you know, everybody's going to get to shoot the ball. That's so fun. Um, Texas tech fans could tell you, this is a disaster. Like this is the motion offense is not a good offense for this day and age. We are gone are the days of slow paced basketball. Um, It's one of the things that Mark Adams, and we'll talk about it, focused in on whenever he got into the head coaching position. Chris Beard traveled this lackluster motion offense with him to Texas. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest issues Texas faces is a lot of wasted possessions, trying to find an open shot when, when the talent that they have in the transition is going to be their best game. Then the same way that it was at Texas tech, it's going to be those transitional plays that we're going to look our strongest and that's going to be like the most impactful. I think with the talent that they have on here, I have no questions that Beard is going to get these guys to play together and to play a different kind of ball than they're probably used to playing. Defensively, I think Texas will not be as strong as people are expecting them to be because people like Mark Adams was important until he wasn't with Beard. 
And now it's like all beard and whoever beard's gotten around him. It's all, it's the beard show. Uh, I think people vastly underrate Mark Adams as a head coach in general. People forget that he was a head coach before beard and he has a national championship and he's got all this credential and like, he's the archetype master. Uh, people were asking him at the media days, like, how do you feel about people copying your no middle defense? Uh, and, and, you know, people seem to forget the narrative that it was Beard and Adams together. And now so we get this is going to be a really fun season because it's Beard and Adams apart. And so that's like that's my favorite narrative this season <laughs> is how do you go from like a game, like a a culture changing. This this defensive culture that's like permeating throughout other basketball programs in America now because they saw what they could do. Like, how does that look now that you've separated the two elements of that? And no. so. I will say I will say about that. I do understand the national media not necessarily caring about that, right? Like, like I do get the idea that, um, well, when is like when you all you care about is the head coach. The head coach leaves, he goes, and he goes somewhere else. That's the guy. That's the guy that's that's was orchestrated all this. That's the guy that made Texas Tech this what what it is, and he's bringing on the majority of the staff from Tech. Though he's not bringing on Mark Adams, he's bringing on a, a large, a large portion of it. So I do understand the national media not necessarily knowing that. I think that's one of those things that's really unique to like tech fan perspective. Like we know that, but that's something that you're not going to be able to convince a, a Duke fan in North Carolina. Hell, you're not even going to be able to convince a Baylor fan most of the time. No, that, and that, I don't care about yeah. that. That's yeah, so I, I think we have, I think we have a unique perspective in that. I do understand national media not necessarily either knowing or even really caring that he didn't bring yeah. into the system with him. And, and and so I mean for me what this kind of comes down to is because I I imagine that at a certain point this season like they just are gonna have to move at least to some extent off of the motion stuff right like because they just have too many guys who can create by themselves so I just kind of assume that that's just at some point is gonna get thrown out the window and the other thing too is that I I don't think that they're gonna be as good a defensive team as they were with Mark Adams by any means because I think that Mark Adams is that dude right but uh, but I do think that they're going to defend at a relatively high level and they have enough offensive guys that it's going to that they're going to kind of be able to just kind of ride guys now I will say Marcus Carr is not my favorite of those guys I, I don't know why he's kind of getting boosted he's, as that yeah. he's, he's I mean I'm not that it's you know not that basketball is only about stats but man if I, I cool you shot 38 percent at minnesota and scored a bunch of points i don't know man like yeah. <laughs> i just i don't know if i see it right like yeah. but i do think that kind of not him not having to be a primary scorer is a good thing right because i think andrew jones is a better off ball player for example at times like you know so i think that they're it's going to work its way out no i think you're probably right i, I don't think it's all going to come together in year one i don't think that this team is a top five team i don't think this team is a national championship team i don't think this team probably is going to win the big 12 but i think that they are in that top four group mostly because i think that five and under is kind of a pretty big drop off too so one one i i do want to get to so the last team i want to really talk about at, at length like we have with kansas and, and texas is another team that i'm pretty sure is in your top four uh, you may have heard of them um you know, I, I don't know. I don't, you might have went to the school. You might be an alum. Uh, you might have spent however many years at Waco. You know, I don't know. But the Baylor Bears, the national championship team, is the last team I kind of want to really talk about. And they're a team that lost most of the team. But you got to give the national champions respect. You got to give Scott Drew respect. Um, and I, I think he's, though he lost a large amount of the team, I mean, he brought back town. They have the best. We talked about it. They have the best recruiting class coming in to to uh, uh, to Baylor, or at least high school recruiting class anyway. 
And they're and they have, in my opinion, replaced Texas as the destination school, basketball school in the state. Now, everybody, if you're the premier, they've, they've kind of replicated the women's program. If you're the premier, a premier athlete, a premier basketball player in the state of Texas, Baylor now is where everybody says you should go. And then it's everybody else. Then it's Texas, Texas Tech, uh, not Texas A&M. I don't know why you'd want to do that right now. <laughs> but Houston, et cetera. Um, hey, TCU has a beautiful arena. Sure. <laughs> Not much coaching going on, but a beautiful arena. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, well, TCU is beautiful. usually filled with red every time I go there. But um, <laughs> So, Sean, what do you think about the Baylor, your Baylor Bears? <laughs> you know, it is so it is interesting. You mentioned, I mean, they lost, they might have had, I, I think even when Adam Flagler kind of finishes his career, I think that we might look back at that 21 team as having one of the greatest backcourts that we've ever seen, right? I mean, Jared Butler, tremendous player, Davion Mitchell, top 10 uh, NBA draft pick. Uh, Macy Oteague is starting to stick around the NBA, which I didn't expect that to happen this quick. Right. And then now I think that Adam Flagler is going to be somebody who's going to be drafted next year too. So like, I think that we may look back at that team as, as having a great backcourt and they lost three of those guys. And that's a big deal. The big question for them is going to be finding a point guard. Cause I do think at shooting guard, you've got a guy in Adam Flagler who again was a huge contributor on that team shot over 40% from three. Uh, I, I think that definitely a big part of how this next season goes is going to be how Matthew Meyer kind of develops because we saw the kind of the, the stretches, right. Where he looks like a good player, but he was very out of control, but, and they kind of let him do his thing in short spurts. Now it's going to have to be kind of something that they rely on instead of something that's maybe a little bit more of a luxury. The funny thing about this team is that last year, I think, was such a guard heavy team. Like again, one of the best guard rotations that we've ever seen. I think that this year, funnily enough, might actually be a really good team up front. So you've got uh, Jonathan Chamachachua back, who obviously was their energy big off the bench. They've got Flo Thamba back. Uh, Kendall Brown is somebody who was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, who I think is probably going to end up playing in the front court for them when it's all said and done. Uh, Dane Danger is somebody who came in last year and redshirted because of academic stuff. Like I think they've got some really good depth. And then you know, it's kind of point guard really is going to be their, their big issue right now. So uh, they brought in the transfer James Akinjo at, uh, at point guard. So that's, that's really my question, right? Is I, I think that they have a lot of guys and that's kind of what you said last year, right? It's like, you're like, Oh my gosh, they got eight to 10 guys who can maybe play in this lineup. Uh, and, and it's sort of, it's not to the same extent because a lot of these guys have been here longer, but I think it's kind of a tech situation where you're kind of asking, okay, how quick can guys kind of figure out their roles on this team? Which hasn't always been Scott Drew's strength, right? His strength a lot of the times is developing guys and having them from their freshman year. And then they hit their junior year and they've really got it all figured out. And so um, I do really respect the fact that Baylor has a ton of African players on the team, right? I'm all for that, right? The more African players, the better. There has to be some stat on this that the amount of – really, the more African players you have, the better defensive team you have. That's that's, that's, – that has to be fast. You know, lies. This is, your defense is going to be all world, and not just because Scott Drew is a great coach, a great defense coach, but you have a you have an excess of African players, and Scott Drew saw that. Uh, Jeremy, what do you think about this Baylor team? Uh, no, no, please uh, comment first on the number of African players. <laughs> yeah, well, let me speak to that because that's certainly and say my, all the uh, and pronounce all of their names. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Uh, <laughs> Baylor's a good team. Let me tell you that uh, they lost a lot when they lost the players that, le- that left last year. Um, coming off a national championship, I know that there's a number of people who are wondering out there, is Baylor dangerous enough to do it back-to-back? 
Uh, and I think no. you need to consult Probably history not. on this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I can tell you, no, I, I didn't think that they were going to win the one. I definitely am not taking them to go back to back. <laughs> biggest, biggest bears fan here. Uh, Shahan, thank you for being on the pod. So I was going to say, since I think UCLA won seven back in like the sixties and seventies, it was only two, only two teams since then have won back-to-back championships. That was Duke in 91 and 92. And then, uh, Florida in the early two thousands. Um, it's like, and they reloaded well after title runs. And so they, the bringing on key addressing issues that were on the roster when then there was a turnover and Shahan pointed it out, like Baylor's looking for that person to be, uh, the point guard this season. And they had a lot of people, they have a lot of good people coming in, but I don't think that that's at all going to be a national. I mean, we agree here. It's like, it's not another national title contender. However, a step back for the bears does not take them out of the Big 12 contention. I think Baylor is still poised with the the kind of coach that Scott Drew is. Um, he, he like maximizes talent, and I mean to the absolute nth degree. Like I, he, his coaching is phenomenal. I'm a big Drew fan. Um, like Shahan, like the fact that they won last year, surprising. And, and well-deserved because it's great coaching. So even though it's a step back for, for the pieces that they lost from this last season, in no way does that mean that they're not a Big 12 t- contender and certainly going to finish in the top half. Yeah, and, yeah. and the thing is, right, like being a, a top four team in the Big 12, that's going to still give you a chance to be a three seed probably in the tournament, right? Yeah. So like they're they're going to be right there. And obviously, I think, you know, it, it's kind of obvious Texas Tech is that fourth team that I would have in that top group. And I think that any of those four teams, depending on how things go, can win the Big 12. Certainly Kansas is the favorite. I think that they'd clearly be the pick and clearly should be the pick for anybody. But uh, But I think that any of those four could really finish in any order. Yeah, and I, I think I would agree with that. That's that's my top four that I have. As much as I talk crap about Texas and I have all offseason, um, I actually have them as my number four because I just, I just don't trust them. I, that's just me. And again, I'm probably hating, and that's okay. But um, uh, I, I just don't. But I do agree that is the top four. I think those are the four teams that can legitimately compete for it. Though I think Kansas, in my opinion, is much better uh, than the other three. Um, so Shahan, we were going to have you for one episode, but we talked a lot, man. So we got to split this up. We're going to have a part two of our big 12 basketball conversation coming up later this week with Shahan J. Raja, where we will preview and take a look at the other teams in the conference. But those are our top four, Kansas, Baylor, Texas, Texas tech, in any order. We will also have our Texas tech season preview next week. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, anything else you want to say to the people before part two, Shahan? Everything's going to be okay. At some point, you're going to have a head football coach again. (laughs) (laughs) At some point. (laughs) At some point. Jeremy, you got anything to say? Uh, Super excited at the hints Shahan has dropped all night with his eyes, with his sweatshirt. Uh, Shahan knows something that is brewing in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He knows it. Y'all stay tuned. He knows it. National, the, the best national writer in the country, gets all the sources. He knows it. All right. He is the sword. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud to announce that uh, that Gary Patterson is going to be the next head coach of Texas Tech. <laughs> oh my! Sonny God. No. Do we bring oh, the people. statue from Fort Worth, or does it? We have to make a oh, new one. Oh my God! No. <laughs> oh my God, Gary! That would be the bane of my existence. I've talked crap about Gary Patterson for every day for the last five years. That would be it. 
<laughs> that would be it. Um, but anyway, so like I said, be on the lookout for part two. So for Shahan, for Jeremy, this is Albie. You've been listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast powered by Guns Up Nation. As always, stay wrecked, people.